Good morning, everyone. This is Bud. I want to welcome you to the Constipated Christian to hear uh, with me today. I am here with two very special guests, Tia and Nick. And you know Tia is the one that her and I, or she's the one that we kind of started it together and then Nick came on and Tia's been back and forth and she's since had a baby and grown her family. But we're all together this morning. <clears throat> first time. First, yeah, that's right. That is the first, first time. That is true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah it was the first time we've all been together in the same room. In fact, I didn't realize that Nick hadn't even met Tia or Tia yeah. hadn't even met Nick, even though we went to the same church and uh, passing or whatever. So yeah. life is life. So um, in the past probably six or eight weeks, I've had conversations, and I know I've talked about this before, about uh, what is our purpose in life? And, and, and Ephesians 2, uh, t uh, 2, 8, and 9 about grace we are saved. And I keep getting this uh, kind of uh, talked about to me in conversations. And, you know, by grace we are saved, we don't really need to do anything else. And I, my, my comeback is always, please read number 10, you know, <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We are created in God's image, but verse 10 is to do good works. So uh, I Googled this article. And then I'm going to talk about something at the end about, you know, the final straw type, type thing. But the article that I Googled uh, is called Extraordinary Purpose. It's by Biblical, Biblical Foundations for Freedom. Um, Extraordinary Purpose. Uh, it's a, a guy named Bob, uh, Paul Bucknell. <clears throat> so it just, it just talks about, you know, the purpose of our life. And he starts off by saying that it unfolds why God made us. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 is an astounding passage that not only reveals the special care he took to make our lives, but also, also to design the very good works that we are supposed to do. And I highlighted a bunch of stuff in here about, remember, if you are chosen to receive Christ's grace, then you're also appointed to live out Christ's works. Uh, good works are not to gain salvation, which would be a place foundation or confidence in ourselves. Good works are to follow salvation. Paul's argument is if we are saved and we are saved to live out good works, you know, about the James 122 I always talk about, uh, just kind of goes on and on. You know, we have been designed to do his work. This world tries to have us think what we want when our only concern ought to be what God wants. And then uh, I'll, I'll follow up with a couple articles later or something like that. But so I just uh, wanted to prompt uh, <clears throat> Nick and Tia about talking about this. Uh, neither of them read it, so it was kind of off or not, but uh, <laughs> they know what, what we've been talking about and they have the scriptures. But um, so I just want to uh, have them just kind of, I just want to open up the floor and just kind of let them talk about uh, their take on this uh, thing. You know, it just seems like this is something that's been pretty strong in our relationships and our talks with everybody. I, you know, there's a resistance or a a hesitancy for a variety of reasons that we're going to talk about this morning mm -hmm. about why people just don't or can't commit or whatever. So with that, I'm just going to open it up and let these guys talk and then I'll come back and forth. Yeah. Well, um, I was telling uh, Bud before that there is um, something called in the Bible is called the, the white throne judgment that is for the unbelievers. 
And then there's a different judgment for um, believers who are in Christ. We're not going to be judged for our sins, but more so for the good works that the Lord had us to do while on earth. Um, and we will receive, uh, that's the time when we receive our rewards. And I was, um, one day I was sitting as I was reading that and that thought came to me and I was th deeply thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, when we all get there, if you're in Christ, we'll all be rejoicing because, you know, like we're with our savior, we get to see him face to face. And just part of that is that that's the main part of it. But then also you want to be able to know that you did something worthy uh, for Christ and you want to be able to receive uh, those accolades from him and how um, awkward it would be. I was just, this is just me and my silly thinking, like how awkward would, would it be? It's like, I'm seeing all of my sisters and brothers in Christ receive all these accolades from Jesus and everything. And then we're just like, wow. Um, I should have just did that. You know, I just imagine myself uh, sitting there and saying, oh, I should have did that. That was a missed opportunity, you know, and I, I obviously we, we're not perfect. We're not going to be able to do every little thing that God has us to do. But at least um, putting that forth as we have breath in our lungs on this earth, that we should be able to do everything that we can do for the kingdom of God. And if you're lacking, um, if that's something that you're not really concerned about, then I really do introduce you to read scriptures about it and pray that God gives you a more like a fervent for the kingdom of God. So like Tia says, it's just, um, you know, uh, I, uh, I had a men's meeting this morning. We're talking about the father and um, children relationship. You know, we are, we, we are children of God. And, and, it, and it dawned on me this morning as we we're talking about this, this kind of segues into this, that uh, on a uh, earthly basis that we want to please our father. So, you know, that, that also kind of figured into why we would do what, 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 what we want to do or what God would like us to do uh, is that we want to please him. You know, so if we just go about our lives and just say this is all about me, 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 that wouldn't be a, a healthy relationship between your father and, and your child on earth, which wouldn't be a healthy relationship with your father in heaven. If he blesses you with uh, all the stuff that you, uh, that he gives us, it just seems like we should you know, want to respond or whatever. So, yeah, and I think that when we talk about the blessings, um, part of the blessing is obviously to, you know, going to be, you know, the treasures in heaven that mm -hmm. talks about in scripture. But we've all heard, you know, the adage, it's better to give than it is to receive, mm -hmm. right? So I think part of the blessing that we can experience now through living out our faith is mm -hmm. seeing how bringing people into God's family, into God's kingdom, into our community, seeing how that is a blessing to them. So it's kind of twofold where obviously there's going to be the treasures later, but there's also that mm -hmm. reward, so to speak now, of seeing how others are blessed through our actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I also just, um, it just keeps putting on my heart as well is that I think that there could be a little bit of idolatry with us, like, you know, just mm -hmm. um, because we're thinking like, well, I have this and I'm too important for this. And um, well, this is like we were talking about, but it's like, oh, I have my family. for this, and, they, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with making sure your family is safe and that we're called to by God. You know, we're accountable for that as well. But you can absolutely see where your priorities are when you're so consumed with everything in life and you're not really thinking about 
how am I impacting another person for the Lord? You know, how can I help this? Like when you're not, when that's not on the forefront of your mind, you know, there's, I really do think that there's a little bit of idolatry in that, you know, and I think we can all look to ourselves and see, okay, okay, God, are you truly at, um, are you truly my main priority? You know, I just think that we should all take, um, an assessment of ourselves and see where we, we stand with that. Uh, and so also I was thinking about um, another conversation I was having with somebody about um, what separates us from the world. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, if we're the same as everybody else and we don't do anything, we don't espouse this or talk about this, then what makes a Christian different from anybody else? I mean, so mm -hmm. uh, we just go along with the world. We just keep doing what we do. By grace, I am saved. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to show anybody anything. So again, this James one twenty two about don't be a hearer of the faith. We got to be a doer. To me, we are acting out what we've read. And it's and again, we were talking about this earlier. It's not TME and Nick that are uh, telling you what to do or, yeah. or, or suggesting things. These are things that we've read. Mm -hmm. that has impacted our lives enough so that we want to live out Bob Hastie's mm -hmm. living the mission. Mm -hmm. We want to live out the mission. So, I mean, that to me is what separates us from the rest of the world. You know, the, uh, the world's views of the measure of man in a, in a, a world's um, opinion is going to be all about money and wealth and stature and, you know, where you should be about, you know, at a certain time in your life or whatever, what you own, what you have. But to God, the greatest thing to become, I know I've had this a mm -hmm. thousand times is, to be a servant. So I know that's kind of oxymoronish and it, it, it kind of goes against the grain, but those are the kind of things that we really need to keep embracing as Christian mm -hmm. because something has to separate us in the world. And that yeah. is one of the things that to me that separates us. Mm -hmm. So um, Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine before others. So they may see so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And that's really important. That goes um, added on more to what you're saying that what separates us from the world. And um, yes, direct evangelism is uh, the more preferred way to spread the gospel. But also another way is to let your good work shine because then people will say like, well, why are you so kind? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? And they will ask mm -hmm. you questions. They will be more inclined to listen to what you have to say about the afterlife. Listen to what you have to say about why we uh, do the things that we do. And you can point them. That is an amazing opportunity to uh, point them to the gospel and be able to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you said mm -hmm. about that, kind of your good works, you know, mm -hmm. kind of shining a light. Because um, at least in my experience, I've found that a lot of people have heard about God, Jesus, the Bible, the gospel mm -hmm. in some capacity already. So if you start with that, you're not necessarily telling them anything that they already hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. And based on however their experience with that person hearing it the first time, that's going to kind of shape their perception of you sharing it with them. So if mm -hmm. that person was, you know, on a soapbox with a megaphone being very judgmental, sharing that message, then they're going to project that kind of judgmentalness on you where we almost have to kind of flip it a little bit where instead where we're showing them, Hey, this is what Jesus did. And then give the opportunity to kind of share like, Hey, you know, we do believe that being a Christian, you know, it's about personal transformation and, you know, all that good stuff. 
And, you know, people can't see Christ. You know, you know, he's not here. So as Christians, when he left, he says, I'm going to go, mm-hmm. but I'm going to mm-hmm. leave you with something that is even better than me. And, yeah. you know, we, uh, you know, we have a hard time understanding what could be better than having Christ with us. But um, I mean, obviously it, it could happen. But if, if Christ was standing beside every one of us, that wouldn't be a practical solution or whatever. So the Holy Spirit is in us. So, again, mm-hmm to tell people or to show people Christ. We can't show him because he's not here, but we can show who he is, who he was, who he is through us. And that is our, that's the great commission to me is to, is to show people who Christ is by our actions, not just lip service or saying, I know so much about the Bible. I've read this or read that. That's not uh, who Christ was. He was a person that actually did, and he healed, he saved, uh, he, he just, he was all about community, loving your neighbor. So those uh, characteristics are things that, that we have to live out to show people who Christ is because they don't see who he is. Yeah. And then also when we look at our society today, um, we know that Satan is the prince of the air. And so that, you know, the Bible says we will have to leave this earth to escape, you know, the evils of this world. But when you look at everything today and you see that there's a lot of secular organization that takes care of the orphan, orphans, take care of widows and takes care of all these, that's really not their job. It's really our jobs as believers. Um, because again, it just goes back to let your light shine let your good works shine. Let your good works <clears throat> practically testify um, for who Christ is, and that kind of. When I look at the our community, I'm just like, you know, where are the believers standing up for you know things like this? You know, I think about all these mass shootings and all the crime that's happening. I really do believe if every believer was to take a stand and to be more involved in the community, I do believe we can make that difference. I really do. Yeah, and I think that that's an important point you made about seeing yeah. the non-Christian, even mm-hmm. non-religious uh, groups, organizations doing good deeds. Um, there, are, there could be as many different reasons as there are organizations mm-hmm. for doing that. It could be out of sympathy or empathy or just, you know, out of love for a certain group of people. So I think that as Christians, we need to also remind ourselves like, hey, why are we doing this? We're not just doing it because we feel bad when mm-hmm. we're passing out blessing banks because we feel bad for the homeless person. But we're realizing kind of like what you said about Jesus. We can't like physically see Jesus in the same way that they could 2000 years ago. When we do that for somebody, when we do the good works, it's kind of as if we're being Jesus in that moment. So I think returning to kind mm-hmm. of the why, if you will, behind our good works, behind living out our faith. That's really what it's all about. I um, was listening to some of the guys at a ministry that I really love, Living Waters. They were talking about how Charles Spurgeon, um, when he was in London, I think Cambridge, every at that time, it was very hectic. It was kind of like California, mm-hmm. honestly, maybe even <clears throat> a little worse. And so people were fleeing. But then mm-hmm. he made that stand to say, no, you know, we're going to stay. I, I believe that the Lord is, is has have a stay. And he made such an impact 
um, socially in terms of like helping the poor, helping single moms, helping the people so much so that they said that if he would have left that area really would have mourned him leaving because mm-hmm. he was just such an impact for Christ that it was just, it was amazing. And so I was like, wow, that's amazing because my, I'm from the East coast and my husband wanted to leave California so bad. Mm-hmm. But again, we felt that the Lord um, wanted us for, here to stay and to spread the gospel. And, you know, I believe through Christ, like, you know, it may not be perfect, but we can mm-hmm. make some type of change in California, mm-hmm. you know? I think so, you bring up a good point about yeah. them, you know, the community grieving him leaving. I think that's mm-hmm. something we can ask ourselves. Like if a church were to, closed down or a key person in the church were to leave or if like a specific ministry were to close down would the community grieve that mm-hmm. would they be apathetic about it or would they even like rejoice in it i think there are some churches where if they were to close there'd be a lot of people would say nah. well good exactly yeah. they're like ah, oh, this make a difference yeah you know absolutely and i love what you said about i, I didn't think about this before but another <clears throat> kind of an offshoot of this is that if we were more, uh, you know, not to use the word love as a touchy-feely thing, but loving our mm-hmm. community, loving our neighbors, being more respectful, just engaging in, in the people that are causing the problems, let's say. Not being judged, and I'm not uh, doing this woke mm-hmm. thing or whatever, but I'm just saying <laughs> if we were uh, more involved in their lives and mm-hmm. we cared about them to begin with, I'm not talking about after they did stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. or to condone that, but... I, I think what you were getting at is that if we we're more inclusive mm-hmm. with everyone and making a uh, a point to engage in everybody's life rather than just pass by everybody, acknowledging people, you know, wanting to hear about their, you know, just who they are and uh, just getting to meet more people. I think that would be a step forward in, uh, you know, scaling this whole murder thing and hate and meanness in our um, you know all this uh, discontent in 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 the world right now yeah we mm-hmm. can't be um undercover christians mm-hmm. we we can't i heard uh, my sister uh. my sister amani said that she was like you know you can't be an undercover christian you you just cannot i'm sorry if you are among a whole bunch of people who don't agree with you yes it can be very uncomfortable but you literally have the truth that they need Mm-hmm. And they may not change their mind right then and there, but at mm-hmm. least that they're, they will be there. They will have no excuse when they stand in front of God, because you were bold enough to mm-hmm. actually speak, um, you know, speak to them. Yeah, no, it's a good phrase. The undercover Christians, because yeah. I think sometimes people think about using good works or good deeds, almost kind of like as a, you know, like a hook or mm-hmm. whatever, like, okay, I'm going to kind of like ease into them, you know, and stuff like that. And then kind of then they spring on them and say, okay, well, this is why I've been doing all this good stuff. And, you know, it's not just Christians who do that. It could be, you know, people in business or people in, you know, nonprofit organizations. Um, but I think that it kind of creates more skepticism mm-hmm. towards Christians, you know, where people kind of go like, well, why are you really doing this? Right, like, what's your exactly. motivation? What's your ulterior motive? Where I think to your point, but, you know, living out your faith, it's just something that should kind of be part of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's not this, um, it's not a manipulative thing. Exactly. It's not a, um, it's not even just a thing, you know, to, you know, boast in our own good works. It's just, you know, 
we've been personally transformed by Christ and want, you know, want to live that out in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, if the, if the great commit, you know, again, I go by you know priorities, but if the great commission is number one in God's mm-hmm. uh, eyes and loving the mm-hmm. Lord with all your heart, love your neighbor and you know, becoming a servant, those are the four things that are of utmost importance to Christ, <clears throat> that the great commission is for us to spread the word or, or to tell mm-hmm. and or show people who Christ was. And mm-hmm. uh, that's just what we're supposed to do. And I, I mean, we can argue this forever, but I have to go back to it wouldn't be called the Great Commission or loving the Lord with all your heart or the second greatest is to love your neighbor if that wasn't important to Christ. So, I mean, it just seems like uh, we're missing the boat when we just kind of dismiss those things. We go on to the, you know, number five or six down the line that's more comfortable mm-hmm. for me to do or whatever. And, you know, we also talked about people say, well, I, I'm not even sure what to do. I mean, you know, what do you want me to do or, you know, uh, you know, what should I do or how, how can I become engaged? And I have to go back to the parable of the sheep and goats, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Again, if you just want to pick something that, you know, what might uh, pique your interest, uh, you know, he says it that, um, uh, uh, you know, I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. So if you start with those things right there. Mm-hmm. Those are things that Christ actually said, here's what I want you to do. You know, I tell you this, whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, he's he's talking. So, I mean, you know, whatever you did for the least of those uh, people, you did it for me. So to me, that's pretty important stuff. Mm-hmm. I have another, uh, I have two scriptures actually I would like to share. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good. And to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So those are just two of the scriptures I wanted to encourage you guys with. Because this is not just things that we personally feel like, oh, this is our conviction. No, this is uh, scriptural. This is what the Lord has us to do. Because, yes, we have been saved by grace Mm -hmm. through faith alone. But as uh, we always uh, point to is that we are meant to do these things so we can point back to Jesus. You know, we are transformed. We're supposed to be transformed beings. We're supposed to be new creations. We're supposed Mm -hmm. to be selfless and um, all the things just go on. And that's actually a part of the fruits, fruits of the spirit. You know, fruits of the spirit is um, gentleness, patience and you know, giving all those things are our fruits of the spirit. So, you know, definitely pray on those scriptures, maybe do a Bible mm-hmm. study on it and just ask God to, you know, encourage, encourage you in that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes when we're serving people or living out our faith or walking through things with someone, we think we need to see the whole trajectory of it. Like, okay, I met this homeless person. I gave him a blessing bag. Now the next step is to bring in my community group. And then the next step is to, you know, we think we kind of have it planned out. And while that is a way that it could work out, the reality is we're not, pro- we're not probably going to see that whole trajectory. God knows what that person's trajectory is. So like I think about the parable of the sower where he's sowing seeds. And the thing that's interesting to me about it is it doesn't specify that the sower knew where the seeds Mm -hmm. fell. 
So mm-hmm. it talks about some falling on rocks, some on shallow ground, some on thorns, mm-hmm. and then some taking the good soil. But it doesn't talk about the sower returning and checking, okay, how did those seeds do that I planted over here? And because the reality is when we sow into somebody, they've probably also had other people sowing into them yeah. prior mm-hmm. to that. We're probably not the first person who's shown them Christ loved or shared you know, the Bible with them before. So I think just trusting that God is putting us in their trajectory, whatever that may look like for that moment, for that season, and that he's going to take them the rest of the way. Yeah. And thank God we're not responsible for the end result. You know, yeah. Christ is. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he just uh, tells us that, you know, we're supposed to plant the seed, just like you just said. And from then on, you know, we can cultivate, we can, you know, go back and, you know, whatever, but really it's up to the person to receive that. And, and not even that, I mean, it, it, it's up to the person to ultimately, uh, you know, to receive it, but God might want to do other things in that person's life or in your life before that seed comes into a plant or, you know, starts to prosper or grow mm-hmm. or whatever. So th- there's another article that, uh, th- that I follow with, uh, why is following Christ so difficult? Why is this, uh, all this stuff so difficult for us? And, uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just a couple of excerpts here. Is, um, when you think about, you know, being a Christian and, you know, accepting Christ, you know, that, that we're going to have this happy and peaceful life or whatever. And so uh, he, he mentions in the article that, that, you know, we associate this happy condition with a certain amount of ease. Mm-hmm. Jesus promises blessing and fulfillment to those who follow him, John 4, 14. But many people have been surprised that the way of Christ is not as easy as they had hoped. Sometimes following Christ can be downright difficult. The fact is, blessing and hardship are not mutually exclusive. The disciples left everything to follow Christ, and the Lord promised them a hundred times as much blessing in return, Mark 10, 28 to 30. Gene, Jesus warned that all who follow him must deny themselves and bear a cross daily, Luke 9, 23. Hardship to be sure, but hardship with a purpose and leading to the joy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, uh, we have this preconceived idea that if I accept Christ and I'm in his grace and on and on, that's it. I'm good. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we wouldn't be talking about all this other difficult stuff if, if it didn't mean more than just that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, you know, lastly, I'm going to talk about. Um, uh, so. Um, you know, people say, geez, uh, I'm, I'm busy. I got a family. Uh, I got my work on and on. So Matthew 10, 34 to 39, my response to them, and I couldn't find this the other day when I was talking to somebody, but uh, this is the scripture that, that I was searching for. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a, a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Mm -hmm. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever Mm -hmm. finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So again, I was just trying to, you know, counter the people that say, this isn't the church, uh, you know, when, when, when Christ was around, they, you know, they didn't have all these distractions and stuff. Uh, but now today we, we live in a different world. So, uh, again, that scripture brings it back to me that if God, uh, like the Billy Graham thing, God will never uh, conform to any generation. So if it was good when it was written and spoken, 
and it's supposed to be enduring forever until we die. I mean, to, until the end of the world comes, th those are pretty poignant words. And right. mm -hmm. that last part is tough to swallow. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to use that as an excuse, that's not scriptural that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've got a lot of stuff going on and I've got a family. Yeah. yeah. I read this book a couple years ago during my studies. And uh, this author essentially said something to the extent of when people say they're busy, what they're really saying is it's not a priority. Exactly. And she is this example of I do not have. 12 extra hours in my day to fill in the blank. However, if my house was flooding, you know that I would have yeah, I would have to make those 12 hours exactly. to fix those things. <clears throat> so I think one trying to find an urgency to what does it look like to prioritize living out our faith, but even for seasons because we the reality is we do have different seasons. All three of us are in a different season, so all three of us living on our faith is going to look a little bit different. So knowing that too, the way that you live out your faith doesn't have to look like the way Bud does it or the way that Tia does it or the way that I do it or the way that um, any of the other guests we've had on this show do exactly. it. But just saying, what do we feel like God is calling me to do in this moment? Yeah. And then it's important too um, that whatever you do, because, you know, our feelings can really be con conflicting. So just make sure it's always aligning with the word of God. You know, um, I feel like there's a lot, especially today, there's a lot of confusion with, well, I feel like, you know, the Lord wants me to do this. Well, just make sure whatever you feel like you want, um, God wants you to do is, is aligning with the word of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Constipated Christian Podcast. However you are tuning in, be sure to follow or subscribe, as well as leave a rating and review. If you are interested in learning more ways on how to live out your faith, you can visit our website at theconstipatedchristian.org. And if you'd like to leave Bud or one of our guests a comment, you can email it to theconstipatedchristian at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.